Welcome to episode number 10 of the Lab I-68 podcast. This podcast is for women of faith who want to get their restless behinds out of the pews into the battlefield for the kingdom of God. We are here to equip and encourage you to put your faith into action into every area of your life and to claim the name of Kingdom Builder. My name is Leah, and I am joining you in the messy middle of a surrendered faith. Welcome back from our summer break. I hope you enjoyed the episode from two weeks ago. I certainly enjoyed recording it for you, but I am very excited to be back doing these interviews. We have all experienced some loss and disappointment in our lives. Some of you may have experienced trivial loss, if that's even a thing, and others tremendous amounts of loss. In my own life, I have never lost someone in my immediate family, but I do know others who have. It is at those times when I see others truly grieving that I have felt a little lost. What is the right thing to say? What do they need? How can I help? Well, today we are going to speak to someone who is going to give us insight into this very topic, and it's going to encourage you and strengthen you to love others well in the midst of loss. The Bible is very clear that we are to love and care for the widows, and my guest today is going to help us take those first steps to do just that. My guest today is an author, a blogger, a widow, a mother, speaker, and also a pastor from Southern Wisconsin. Most importantly, however, she is a woman after God's own heart and has had the opportunity to go hand in hand with him on some amazing adventures. She also has a heart for missions. She also released her first book, Perspective, Seeing Life Through the Eyes of Jesus in 2018, about seeing through his eyes no matter what your current view is. More recently, She had the amazing opportunity to co-write the song Still Wonderful with the band Johnny Swim, one of my favorites, which is where I discovered her. Please welcome to the Lab I-68 family, Rebecca Gore. Rebecca and I are chatting today about a topic that is pretty personal to her, and she shared so vulnerably and honestly with me about the loss of her husband, Romero, to cancer about five years ago. In this episode, we are chatting about what it means to care for the widow in our church or otherwise what it means to continue to raise her children after his passing, and the hope that Rebecca has found on the other side of losing her husband. To me, this is a really special episode that I hope will really encourage you to really think, but to also keep an eye out for those who've lost their spouse and really care for them in a way that's empowering them. Sometimes life on mission can get really lonely, but everything is better in community. Which is why it is finally time to announce that we have a Facebook group. Yes, this is something I've had on my to-do list for far too long, but we really wanted to give our listeners a space to explore the topics that we've covered together in Lab by 68. This space is for women of faith who are ready to claim the name of Kingdom Builder and will be for discussions, exclusives, encouragement, and some sneak peeks. You can click the link in this episode to head on over or search Intentional Women of Faith over on Facebook to join. Okay. Let's get into the episode. Please welcome the beautiful, wonderful Rebecca Gore. Rebecca, thank you so much for coming onto Lab by 68 podcast. We're just so honored that you are here talking to us about your experience as a widow losing your husband. Again, I, I mentioned before we started recording, but I feel like it's mentioned so many times in scripture, but we just don't know where to start sometimes. So First and foremost, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, What are your roles right now and where are you recording from? 
Hi, I am in Southern Wisconsin. Um, I reside with my four children. Um, I have two girls and two boys. My girls are the bookends. <laughs> um, I am a volunteer pastor at my church. Um, I help in lots of different ways. My parents are the senior pastors here mm-hmm. in a local church body. Um, I homeschool my children and um, just work within the community as far as like the church body reaching out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have a heart for missions. That's kind of where my heart is right now. Awesome. What kind of missions do you like to work in? Um, I've been overseas and spoke like at a conference. I've done Mm. just like my last trip was in January to Uganda and just did, you know, witnessing in the streets and encouraging in the churches there and such things like that. And I just have such a heart for the nation. So, wow incredible, like being able to go over seas, even in the midst of wherever you find yourself in your journey. I just find like, God is so cool that it even opened the door there. Like yeah, being a single parent. Absolutely. Wow. That's beautiful. So I found you through something called songs with strangers with Johnny swim. And for those who do not know who Johnny swim is or what Johnny swim even is, they are an incredible, uh, married couple band they're just beautiful human beings physically. They're just gorgeous people, <laughs> but, uh, but they're also just amazing musicians. And they opened up this opportunity to connect with strangers on Instagram live and you were chosen. So I was wondering, please give us a little bit of behind the scenes. Could you tell us a little bit about your experience on there? And then what became of that song that you guys wrote together? Well, I happened to like find them through like enjoying Joanna Gaines in Waco. Mm -hmm. And then I found them that way. And then I saw what they were doing like the first week or the second week. It was very intriguing because my husband used to be way into music and producing music and stuff like that. Mm. Like what he was interested in doing, they were doing like live for people. And I was like, wow, this is kind of a fun process just to watch happen. I was like, man, it'd be so cool to be picked. And when you're there in that moment, you didn't know how they did it. Mm-hmm. And so like the third week I came on thinking, I'm going to try to get picked. But in my mind, I was like, I knew they had to pick a guy because they had picked girls before. And sure enough, they had picked a guy. Well, then the following week, I was like, well, I'm going to try again. And I really had felt like the 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 nudging of the Lord, just that it could happen. And I was like, I don't know, sometimes you get yeah. that and you're like, is it just me being stupid? And then sure enough, all of a sudden he was like, want to join? And I was like, what? I was so nervous. (laughs) Because I was like, man, this is so crazy. Because I had thought, what an opportunity. And I don't know where this will lead. Mm -hmm. Do I really want to step into this? In my heart, I had really prayed that morning. Like, if that opened, this could open doors just like this one. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, Lord. And so sure enough, they picked me and then he was like asking me some questions and found out that I was a widow. And um, it kind of changed everything in that moment of the song. Like the writing of it went from this to something. It just like, it literally felt like it just shifted. And he's like, it's so crazy because I really wanted to pick a black guy to do the song with. And then he's like, but I'm writing about one. (laughs) I'm like, Wow. I just thought it was so cool because of how he addressed that in that moment. I was like, this was supposed to happen. Absolutely. 
And it was just from that moment, I just let the Lord, like, I was like, just use me. And I prayed through the middle of it. And the song is about our story and truth. And yet I love the end because it just brings it back to God and how like all of our journeys are tied into him and he can still make it. It's called still wonderful mm-hmm. because like, that's how I feel. Like, even though I've lost greatly, God has still made it wonderful. And even though the picture doesn't look like what I envisioned, even through the sickness and through all of it and what I thought God was going to do, mm-hmm. he's exceeded my expectations to a degree. And Mm-hmm. it's just that shift in thought. And so it was really neat to be able to have him add that at the end, like that it was God and it yeah. wasn't me. And so I was like, man, this really is cool because it shifted it back to him. And so the song is on like all the streams now, but it's really been a neat journey in that space. And it's really wonderful to actually have something like that for my kids and for myself, just a testimony of God's goodness in the midst of it. And so Oh. And that it's touched other people's lives. Absolutely. Well, what a gift, like you just said, for your children to hear that and to really embrace that story and that truth. I absolutely love that you said that. Have you heard of many testimonies from that song or have you heard some feedback? Yeah, I've gotten quite a bit of feedback. Um, I think the best, like a couple of people have reached out and said, man, you made me want to seek after Jesus. And I'm like, that, that, that alone was enough for me. I was like, Oh my gosh, that'll make me cry. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, man, like seriously, like if you actually are turned towards Jesus and want him because of this, I was like, thank you, God. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's my, my heart is that my testimony would lead somebody to him. And so, yeah, like multiple people have reached out like that and said that it's really met them or ministered to them in the midst of their loss or just brought healing a lot of healing out of it. And so I'm like, thank you, God. Wow. That's amazing. That it, it is a gorgeous song. The lyrics, um, the melody, everything. It is a really, really beautiful work of art. It really is. It's it's a beautiful song. I think it was my favorite out of all the six. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just Mine too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so like you mentioned, the song really is about life on the other side of this really heartbreaking loss. And in this case, being your husband, as you mentioned, and I was just wondering if you could share a little bit about him, um, who he was, what your relationship was like, and maybe a little bit about his passing. Yeah. So we met and dated for about five years and then we got married and um, we were just shy of our 10 year anniversary when he passed like Mm -hmm. four days. Wow. We both were in Bible school and then God transitioned us and he actually, and we landed in Wisconsin. And when we landed here, um, he actually was, became an associate pastor at our church. So he was functioning in that. And then, um, kind of it happened really one day. Mm -hmm. He just started not feeling good. And, and then the journey kept going and we kept getting tested and this and that. And, um, he was diagnosed with leukemia. Mm. And we went into the hospital at that point for uh, six weeks straight almost and um, fought the disease for almost about 10 months, Mm. um, just about that, and um, fought hard, (laughs) really hard, prayed, um, battled, 
you know, anything that the word said that was possible, I kind of went after, like, Mm -hmm. as far as a miracle, and we just kept hitting obstacles. And, and it was like, at the end, it was like, kind of like an all of a sudden, like he was doing okay. But we kind of had hit the end of the, like the road with what the doctors could do. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of hit that point of faith, like, okay, God, now it's your turn. Like we've done all that we know how to do. And so I kind of stepped back in that space and just said, God, it's either you healing him or you bringing him back from the dead mm-hmm. um, at, at his bedside that day. And I kind of like jumped and just said, all right, God, I'm going to trust you and just believe that even God would resurrect him. And in the midst of all that not happening, I just kept leaning in by faith that God was still there and that he had a plan. It was um, his funerals actually on our 10 year anniversary. Wow. Um, and it, I, it was unique because I never really thought I would pay more for him to bury him than I did to marry him. I was oh, like, this wow. is not okay with me. Yeah. It costs a lot to bury someone. But mm-hmm. um, just in that moment, I was just like, God, this is so hard and all the things. But a week prior to him dying, the Sunday before he died, he died on a Sunday. I actually preached at church my very first time. Okay. I felt like the Lord had really stirred my heart with a message and he felt well enough to come. And so that was really a sweet thing for him to be there for that first time. Yeah. And I preached about putting on strength and the Bible actually lists, you know, you put on the armor of God and you put on strength. It actually, there's like 26 or 77 things that it actually says to put on compassion. So I preached about it. And like a week later, it was like, are you going to live this out? And so it was definitely a step in that. Like, I remember standing in the funeral home and being like, I can't do this. And I like stood in the mirror and stared at myself and said, put on strength. You got this with God. You can walk through this. And I took God's word as literal as it meant and just lived in that space of like, okay, God, you're my strength in this moment. And I actually preached at his funeral. Um just felt like the Lord was like, yep, it's time. And so I stepped into that space and encouraged people to, to live out the call of God on their lives, to get in the game, to not that it's a game, but like you can sit on the outskirts of life and never really step in fully. Mm-hmm. And so I think it kind of hit me for real, like how much of our married life did we sit on the outskirts and not really step fully in and like not knowing how much time you have. And so just being so much more aware of time and like your effectiveness. And so um, he was an incredible drummer. He served God all of his life. I mean, he just, he loved God and he loved his family. I mean, he really, I think that was probably out of the journey for him was the hardest thing. Like, God, I love my family. Mm -hmm. Why is this happening? I love being a dad. I love my kids. And especially when you see like parents or fathers that aren't in that role and you're like, why me? And why am I getting this taken from me? And they're not even stepping into it. And so, um, so that was part of his journey that I can account for that he struggled with the Lord and 
and I assume the Lord met him in that space, you know, the richness of his mercy. And, but it's been a journey since then. It's been about five years, a little over five years now that he's been gone. And our, our little ones were really little. Our littlest one was um, just a little over two when he passed. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, so it's been a journey, even walking with them in the midst of it. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Cause I feel like kids go through grief a little bit different than we do as a mom. How do you, how do you step into that? Like, what was that balancing act kind of like for you trying to manage your own grief, but then also, you know, help them with theirs? What was that like? I think I just kind of kept everything off, not off limits. Like if they wanted to say it, I wasn't like taken back by it. Or if they wanted to ask questions, I mean, they were so little and like one of them was like, yeah, dad's dead, dad's dead. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, but that was just his way. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) okay, dude, that's, that's all right. That's what you need to say. That's all right. Yeah. My littlest one's like, could you call him? on the cell phone. Aww. Could you get him in heaven? Like, mom, issue like hand me my phone, call dad. Like, Aww. I mean, even just processing with them and just being okay to be not okay. Yeah. In moments, I think even for them, just that they saw my openness of like, man, I'm I'm struggling mm-hmm. so that they felt like okay that they don't have they could struggle and that we could do it together. Yeah. But even before that, I mean, man, we were walking through such a tough road of him being sick. So I felt like God's grace was so sufficient, mm-hmm. even over them, like his care. Like, I feel like God cared so much about them too. Like I could just see it on them. And I don't know. I mean, I don't ever want them to think that God took their father from them. So I kind of explained that at the beginning, like this was not God taking dad home. Right. This was not him doing this. Like there's just sin in our world and sickness and things like that happen. And we believed and it's okay. So just never making them kind of push God away. I always Mm -hmm. wanted God to be something that they drew into. And I feel like that's probably where my heart struggles. Like, will they grow up and ever come out to a point of like not wanting God because of this? And so I've just kind of tried to guard that. They have a love relationship with God and bring God to, to a realness with them. And Mm -hmm. I mean, even to the point where it does say that God is the father to the fatherless. Right. And I bring that to them a lot. Like God is your father. He's here for you. You're not fatherless. You know, Mm -hmm. God is super able to step in and man, I trust him like that as a mother too. I'm like, um, God, I don't know how to parent these people. <laughs> yeah. Tell, do, teach me what to do. You know, I'm not sure what to do because like a man and a father has a strong presence mm-hmm. that brings us something different. And so I'm like, God, you have to help me to know what to say or how to um, correct or challenge them the right way. And every time I've ever asked, I feel like the Lord has always said, do this. And I'm like, okay. Wow. It's that like leaning in to God and saying, if you said this is who you are, then I'm going to trust that you're going to help me to be this. And I'm not going to back down from that space. And so, yeah, grief, it doesn't end ever either. Mm -hmm. I mean, like a couple weeks ago, my daughter's like, can't we just get a big poster of him and we could kiss him? I'm like, (laughs) you know, I mean, she's like, I mean, 
it just doesn't, it doesn't end. And so, but it's not that it's not okay. It's okay that we miss him and we love him. And yet we always remember that this isn't forever and that we have heaven and heaven is going to be amazing to see him again. Just not, I was always like, just not yet guys. Okay. Yeah. 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 (laughs) We're going to stay around for a little bit, (laughs) but I don't know. There's a hope that's, that stays consistent in our conversation because heaven is real. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I would like to talk a little bit about the misconceptions that people have around this sort of loss. And like I said, I feel like people don't really, if they haven't gone through something like this, myself included, I have not lost anyone that close to me, not that close to me yet. So I feel like there's maybe some misconceptions about how people grieve or kind of what your processing is like or anything like that. Can you touch on that a little bit? What are some of those misconceptions that people might have around a deep loss like this? Well, personally, I just have never wanted anything to be off limits. I've almost pushed beyond that, like to the point where I know like some people won't even go to the same location or like, I know the first night my mom's like, you should stay here. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go home and sleep in my bed. Cause I don't want that to become something that I can't do. And so I think even from day one, I was just like determined, even though in the middle of the night, that night, it got really hard. And so my friend was out on the couch. I was like, you got to come in here. I'm having a hard time. You know? Yeah. I think people are afraid to say anything because they might say something wrong. But in that, like, then you never say anything. And I think saying something is okay. Mm-hmm. But that's my perspective too. Like someone else might not feel like that. Maybe it is a lot harder to have those conversations, but that's where you love people on purpose. That's where you mm-hmm. find out, hey, is this okay? Do you want to talk about them? I mean, you could just ask and if they say no, then be okay if they say no. Or mm-hmm. if they say, yeah, I really have been waiting for somebody to ask me to talk because I really want to talk about it. And there are good times to have conversations and there's sometimes it's not easy. I think for me personally, in the midst of it, I leaned so into God that he just became such a rock. Mm-hmm. For me, like I spent so much time on my floor with him. Like, I think people don't understand, like, especially losing a spouse, that's your constant conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, the person that you text or you think about texting, all the stuff that nobody, you know, you miss having that, having somebody like just to text the randomness, stupid things that are going on in your world. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man. And so even in my car, like you, you know, even the conversation or you call them, I miss that like so much. It was such a hole because mm-hmm. like your spouse cares about those things that, you know, even your best friend doesn't always care about, Yeah, especially when it comes to your children, like the funny things they do that no one else would think is funny. And you do like, who do you tell that to? Yeah. So even just being that for someone just saying, Hey, if there's any, but anytime you just need to talk about something. Like I'm open, but I leaned into that space and didn't avoid it. That lonely gap. I just leaned into saying, okay, now I don't have somebody next to me in my seat. I'm going to talk to God while I drive somewhere. I'm going to write in my journal. I pressed into conversation with him because I'm like, God, you do care about these things. Mm -hmm. 
but that's that's a hard gap. I mean, like for someone, so to recognize that it's there, maybe even for people, just to like check in. Hey, what's something silly your kids did yeah. that you wish you could have told someone, or what's what's something that's really difficult or challenging that that you're trying to make a decision on, or mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you each play a role in your house, you know, and he, t- he took on these roles and now I have to do them. And I'm like, I don't know how to do some of those things. So even just as a widow saying, you know what, it's okay to ask for help. You yeah. don't have to do everything. I struggle with that asking for help. Um, so to all the widows out there, just ask for help. Somebody's willing. Mm-hmm. I know like I didn't know how to open a sauce jar and it broke me down. Like I couldn't <sighs> get it open spaghetti jar yeah I'm like what am I gonna do <laughs> like I had a meltdown about it I was like I threw it out on Facebook and like seven people responded to me well you could try clacking it or hitting it or doing this I was like these guys I got it open I was like Lord help me you know I mean that sometimes it's not even the big things it's just sometimes the smallest things that are really challenging yeah. that you come across or where you feel that lost you're like why aren't you here to help me in this you know mm-hmm Definitely. And that kind of brings me to the community aspect of loss, because like like we've mentioned in scripture, it tells us to care for the widows over and over again. It says that we need to be there for the widows. But I wonder sometimes if the church doesn't really know how to handle that well. Um, But what was your experience like that in community, in your church community? How would you recommend that the church actually comes alongside as a community? I think for the beginning part, they came alongside me really well. And as time has passed, it's been less Mm -hmm. um, like someone did a meal for me, like the first, I don't know, maybe six months, they did one meal a week. They came in and brought me a meal and I was super thankful for it. And then it was done. And then like a church gave towards me for a year and then they're like, okay, now we're, we're done. And I'm like, well, it didn't change anything here, <laughs> but okay. You know, I mean, and it was just kind of astounding. I could understand because there's lots of widows and stuff, but sometimes you're like, but it didn't like my situation didn't change. Like, and I can see when situations change or if you re- remarry or whatever, but, mm-hmm. but my heart probably mostly is in the space that like, man, someone comes and just teaches my son something. Mm. And I, I always am like asking the Lord, just send the right people just across. I mean, it doesn't have to be somebody always full time, but just like, Hey, let's play ball. Like our neighbor came and built a basketball hoop for my kids and my sons worked alongside of them. And my son was like, mom, he let me use the tools and he was teaching me along the way. And I'm just like, so thankful. So sometimes it's a, I think sometimes the body of Christ or people think, now I'm in this for the long haul and I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And so they don't do anything. But sometimes it's just like an afternoon. Like, right. could you just play ball with them for an afternoon? And that's enough to like be that satisfying factor until the next person steps in. And I've kind of looked at it like that. I started like thinking, oh, these people are going to help me. And God's like, really? It's going to be just a whole lot of people mm-hmm. as they come. Um, I was really encouraged because like I talked to a family and they kind of stepped in and they've been helping. And they're like, yeah, when I stand before God and he asked me, what did I do for the widows? What am I going to say? Or the fatherless, how am I going to say, this is what I did according to your word? And that challenged my heart because I'm like, okay, God, 
when I stand before you, what am I going to say that I even did for right. other widows or the fatherless out there? And I was like, man, even having that kind of resolve that I can stand before the father and say, like, I did something. And as the body of Christ, we have to have those kinds of resolve. Yeah. Um, we have to see, like, I might not be able to do everything, but I can do something. Whether it's a meal or just like a note of encouragement, hey, you're doing a great job. Or what can I do? Sometimes people can just, even when you're asked, hey, can, how can I help? You're like, thanks. Thanks for even wanting to help. Because sometimes you don't think even people, they won't like avoid you or something. But um, yeah, I, my body, the church body here, like in the midst of sickness and even after, they have been such a wonderful blessing in our lives. I mean, they really did come alongside of us and, and carried us through the storm and still have been consistent. I mean, yeah. And I'm just, I'm super thankful because I remember thinking like, for me personally, I was sitting like, God, I just wish you would just show up and sit next to me and hug me. You know, I'm struggling so bad. I miss being hugged. Um, And he's like, well, I sent you, you know, Betty, (laughs) she's hugging you. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Sometimes even my misconception of what I'm like seeking God for can be there. And, and yet, I did. I talked to a widow in my church and she's like, I just miss being hugged. Mm. Sometimes it's simple things like that. Like just hugging someone when they're used to being hugged or complimenting them when they're used to having that complimenting husband in their, their corner being like, you look good. (laughs) I mean, sometimes it's not, it doesn't take much. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes as Christians, we want to say the right thing and we, as if like God needs defending or something. We might have good intentions, but we, you know, everything happens for a reason or, you know, whatever, they'll have these like little cliche kind of Mm -hmm. phrases. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend for people to say? What would be most helpful when we're conversing with somebody who's experienced that type of loss? Um, Because like I said, I think sometimes we use these cliches or we use these phrases that just really aren't super helpful. So what would what should we be coming alongside and saying then? Yeah, there's a lot of those. Mm-hmm. And they actually really hurtful sometimes because yeah. it makes you feel like this happened and it like God did this. Or if you would have, like someone said, you would, you must not be strong enough. Or I mean, just different things. Oh like I, there's just some things people can say. And that was, yeah, it, um, yeah, this is just hard, harsh things. Like, um, sometimes it's just better just to listen, <laughs> um, and just say, so what can I pray for? How does this help? God doesn't need your reasoning for what happened. Yeah. I don't, I don't need your reasoning for what happened or yeah. why he's gone. And sometimes like people always want to have a reason and I don't think that there is always an understanding or a reason. And I kind of stepped into that. Like, God, I don't have to know why. And people are like, do you, what do you ask God why? And I'm like, no, I don't have to know why. I just have to know that God is who he says he is. And he says he's faithful. And he says that he would be the husband to the widow so therefore he knew there would be widows. So he made an answer for it. 
So even though I don't like what happened or Mm -hmm. I did not expect it to happen, at least he already had an answer for me. And so like, you can't make me understand why, because the infinite wisdom of God is way bigger than mine. And people have said like, you wouldn't be who you are today without that. And I'm like, that doesn't help me either, but they, that doesn't make me feel better. I'm yeah. like, yes, I have chose. I've chosen to grow. I've chosen to look forward and to go forward in faith and keep believing. Would I be the same person? Probably not. But does it mean I had to, my, like God had to take my husband out of the picture so that I would be this? No. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, those kinds of things, they're just not cool to say. <laughs> they're, and then as a believer, you have to choose not to get offended. Like right. people are, I mean, their heart, you have to know their hearts. Like sometimes people's hearts are just good. And they just are silly in what they say. And they say stupid things sometimes. We all do. Mm-hmm. We get our foot in our mouth or whatever. It's not because our heart or the intent of their heart was wrong. So like even just looking past that sometimes and saying, well, I know they're for me and they love me. So it must not mean that the way it sounds, but it doesn't sound very pleasant. That's just good advice for all of us. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Myself included. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, me too, sister. Trust me. So as we talk a little bit more about the church, and I'm just wondering, the way that the church is built sometimes or the way that we focus on, you know, the nuclear family, mom, dad kids. Sometimes I think, and I could be wrong, but I think that the church at large has not been set up very well to accept that there are going to be widows. There are going to be the fatherless. It just feels like sometimes that we've elevated this idea of family. And so then our programs are kind of run a certain way, or um, we might speak sermons that are addressing those types of families, and we're kind of excluding everybody else. And I'm just curious what your experience has been like with that. And if there's language or programming or something that we could do better as a church to be really inclusive of a family that maybe has had a loss or that doesn't look like the idolized version of family. Does that make sense? Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. I just personally haven't like filtered my experience through that. I think when you're looking for that, then you see it more clearly like, oh, they're saying family and I, my family is different now or we're not included. I'm like, oh, what I, I don't, I don't look for it because I don't want to look for places to get offended by the church Yeah, because I feel like their heart is mostly good. You know, mm-hmm. I probably have felt on a different side, like when people talk about children, like, well, they're that way because their father wasn't there mm-hmm. now. That I'm in my mind, I'm like, you're setting a standard for children that are not fathered. Like when it comes to like so much of the church is not fathered and, and this is what, and what's happening because they're not fathered. And I'm like, what I fit into that and it was not my choice and my children won't be like that. Like, I think we kind of put limits on people based Mm -hmm. on their experiences. And sometimes their experiences are not choice. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't choose to lose my husband and not have my children have a father. And yet you're making it me feel that way. Like they're going to end up bad. 
mm-hmm. because their father isn't here. And I feel like I probably felt like that more than anything because mm-hmm. we do, we look at the whole and we're like, man, where's all the fathers in our church and the men and, and I, and I probably have fallen to the same, the same thing, you know, sometimes, mm-hmm. but um, just being a sensitive to that space, I guess, to a degree where you're and it. And to me, it's just hearing the Lord. Like if the Lord is saying something, then address something. But if he's not, then keep your mouth shut. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. I don't know. There's such a demographic within the body of Christ and it's just giant throughout. There's widows, there's this, there's, I mean, you know, you, you hit all the different spaces. There's people that can't have babies. So then what do you do, you know, or this or that. And it's just like being sensitive, but not like to the extent that it's like, you can't say anything anymore. Right. Cause I'm like, God still cares about all the kids that have fathers and he cares about, cares about me too. I don't know. It's, it's hard. Cause I think it's just being able to really say, I'm hearing God and listening to him and I'm being available to really speak what he wants me to speak. I think that's the way Jesus lived. He said, I'm going to say what the father's telling me to say. And I think as a body of Christ, we have to start living with that. Yeah. We, we don't have to live with our opinion. I mean, we say our opinion a lot, but our mm-hmm. what is our opinion? Our opinion could change like tomorrow. Yeah. You know what I mean? And your situation could change tomorrow. And the way you feel about something like now, my perspective towards like people that are single parents is totally different because I'm in that space. Whereas before I might've been a little less, you know, understanding or not fully under aware. And I'm like, "Ah, I'm aware or somebody that's in the hospital, even like sometimes we don't even realize what we have. Like husbands and wives, they fight. And I'm like, why are you fighting? (laughs) You don't even know what you got. You got each other, you know, I mean, in that space, but yet I remember being a wife and fighting with my husband. So I'm like, okay, I guess, you know, if grace for all that space, yeah, just having grace for one another, I think Mm. like in that, in that boat of the body, having grace, even for all the, the things that are not cookie cutter, it's just not, it's messy. And people are messy and life is messy and yet God is so present just Mm -hmm. finding him in the midst of it, you know, seeking him for how we relate to each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if it helps or not. (laughs) No, that is so good. That is so good. I think what I'm really hearing you saying is just not to make assumptions based on somebody's circumstances. I have personally been feeling, and this will kind of lead to our next question, but I have personally been feeling lately how important it is to address every individual and not make an assumption based on whatever category that I would put them in to really hear out each person and their personal experience, Um, which does lead me to my next question. If we could get really practical and let's say this is not part of a church program or anything like that, just me personally, in your experience, what was something that was really meaningful to you in the way that someone personally came alongside you initially when you first became a widow, but then even since then, what it would be something that would be good for me to do uh, practically to come alongside you? I've had a lot of people come alongside of me practically financially. At first, they set up a GoFund, which really helped um, me sustain 
being a mother, which is mm-hmm. one thing that I cried out to God for. I said, oh, God, I really still want to be a mother. I want to be at home. And so God has graciously, mm-hmm. significantly provided. And it's not just like one source. It's just like, even like a couple of weeks ago, someone just blessed me. Wow. And so even through like just saying, God, how can I like bless someone? Maybe it's a hundred dollars. Maybe it's like somebody gave me a gift card to get Subway. So I didn't have to cook for my kids. You know, I mean, sometimes it's that, or even just practically like, Hey, your kids need some clothes or this or that. I mean, there's different things like in that space that people have done. Um, one of my testimonies is that um, in the midst of that week, right before Romero passed away, our refrigerator went out. Oh. Yeah, it was a mess. And so it was actually like Memorial Day weekend. And so we were looking at on the ads thinking maybe we can find one. And then he passed away. And one of my friends came in town like as he after he passed away and she bought us a refrigerator. What actually was the exact refrigerator we were looking at, like a hundred percent. And I never showed her. And wow. I was like, oh God, you're here. You're present in the refrigerator, you know? I mean, it's just crazy like how God showed up in such specific ways in the midst of that. Um, but even like babysitting, like sometimes like you need a break. Mm-hmm. Just things like that. Those are practical ways. Like, can I pay for you to get a babysitter? Could I babysit? Um, is there something, even just asking, hey, is there anything you really need? Mm-hmm. Knowing the needs sometimes we don't know the needs, so we don't know how to, you know, help. Right. Um, even like big time, like sometimes there's big needs, you know, like how can we go after like getting something that's a bigger, like a refrigerator would have been a bigger need. Like how can we get a community of group of people together to, to meet that need? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes it's just people being willing to spearhead that and say, I want to do this. Yeah. Or at Christmas. I mean, these are practical things like Christmas. Sometimes the holidays are hard. Well, what could I do? How could I help? You know, is there anything to have enough to get Christmas is, you know, or is there something that you want to do? Or, I mean, just being invested Mm. relationally too. Yeah. Those are practical things where it's not just like, here, let me give you money and I'll walk away and, and not be there. And that's okay at moments for people but also just being invested in prayer. Mm-hmm. You can practically, hey, if you have a need, let me lift it up. Let me pray for you. What's something you're struggling with? Um, I think prayer has carried my family. So many times different people, I, I reach out and I'll be like, hey, I need, we need prayer. People pray. I don't think we would be where we're at without prayer. Mm-hmm. So even just like as a body of Christ is saying, hey, we're going to take on the month of whatever it is and we're going to pray over the widows, you know, we're going to lift them up. We're going to ask God to move on their behalf. I mean, just simple things sometimes are so powerful mm-hmm. and do create change, you know? Yeah. Yes. Anything like that, you know, those are really practical things that parents need. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I hear like a lot of these things could be short-term, long-term. Is there anything else that you would add to that, that would be long-term would have been super, super helpful for you guys or that is super helpful for you guys? I don't know. I just feel like it's nice that there's so many different spaces that people have stepped in at different times. Mm. Long-term is still like, you still realize like, oh, 
she's still in the same boat, you know, like she's still trekking with four kids. Like, okay, now what's the need or just remembering sometimes even just remembering like, Oh, May, May was when it happened. So May is a harder month. Like, okay, how can I bless her? What could I do to reach out? Yeah. And I'm just even being aware of those things. Like long-term isn't like the first year they're there and then not anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think it's different for different people, how they feel, you know, what the struggle is, what the needs are, but even just asking, Hey, what's your need? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I know for myself, losing my husband is a really scary thought. And speaking to a lot of other people, I know that that is something that feels really intimidating. So I would love if you would be able to just kind of close this, the main part of this conversation with just some hope on the other side of this. Um, And I know you're probably still experiencing a lot of grief, but where is the hope in all of this after such a major loss in your family? Um, I've got to experience God in a way that that's unique because I've leaned into him in a place that when you have a spouse, you would never lean into him to be your husband necessarily. So leaning in to that space of him being my husband and trusting him in that space and And that he shows up. I mean, he's shown up and shown up and shown up for me that it doesn't really matter where you are in your journey with the Lord or what you come across that's super hard. Mm -hmm. Because when God is in the middle of it and he's there, then he brings all that he has. And so he's sufficient in Mm -hmm. um, helping me or giving me um, hope or faith or, you know, and just pressing on that, that ability to just continue to say, I'm going to press on. I'm not going to stay stuck. Cause I think when things like this happen, you can kind of like pause and Mm -hmm. stop life and say, well, that's not how I want it. And so you just stop moving. And right out the gate, I felt like the Lord was like that verse that said, you know, don't look back. Mm. keep moving forward. And I was like, okay, God, I know I can't change what was in the past. So I'm going to keep pressing forward and to see what you have. Thing is, is God has so many good things. Like my future is full of of awesome things because he's already in my future Mm -hmm. and he's already made a plan and he's already prepared that for me. And so if I really trust him, then in the midst of not having Romero and and it not going the way I wanted it to go. Um, if I set those things aside and say, okay, God, I'm going to just embrace what you do have. Then he's got so many good things. He, I mean, I'm not holding myself back to what was, but I'm running towards what God has. Cause I want to yeah. see what he has. There is so he's got so many good things. I mean, there's grace. His grace is sufficient. He's got the strength we need. He's got, He's got provision for us. He's got, I mean, there's just unlimited amounts of what God has. And so I just really press into that. Like, okay, God, today's going to have something good. And and I remember like one day in the bathroom crying out to the Lord saying, God, I just wanted to go back to normal. I don't like this anymore. you know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, you don't. You don't like normal. You like the adventure with me. And I've got a good adventure ahead for you. And mm-hmm. I was like, you're right. I do. You know, just like, okay, it's going to be okay. And so sometimes even just realizing like our plans are not always what his plan is, but his plan is way better. 
Mm. And um, I had to come to space with him with that to say, okay, God, your plan is perfect and your way is perfect. And I can trust you that you know what's going on and that you've got is taken care of. Yeah. And I do. I lean into that all the time. And when I feel insecure or the struggle, because it doesn't mean there isn't struggle and there isn't hard places and hard moments, I just have to remind myself of what God has said and how much good he does have. And man, I, I want to see it all. I want to experience all the good things that he has ahead. And so I think that's what he has for all of us. So that's the hope I have to offer you just that, man, he's, he loves you. I mean, the love is fierce. He's got such a love for us individually. And so he has never left me Mm -hmm. and um, he's never forsaken me. He understands feeling those things. And I felt those things, um, but he's walked with me always. And so I just, I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for the journey. I'm thankful for what God has done and continues to do in my life, remaining thankful but his grace really has been amazing, like super amazing. See, that's the thing is, is like, tell you're in the situation. You don't really understand that his grace is sufficient for the situation. So you think like, I can't imagine that, but you're not there. So you don't need the grace for it. See, right. when I needed the grace for it, it was there and it, the grace covered me. And so that's where you say, you can look at my life and be like, I don't get it. Was grace is sufficient, and that's that's the and I'm evidence of that, and I walk that out as a testimony. Wow, that is beautiful. Thank you, seriously, so much for sharing that. I think that's going to be super, super encouraging for somebody. It is a reminder. His grace is sufficient, no matter our situation. He shows up. He shows up, and I've seen that in my own life time and time again. So thank you, seriously, so much for sharing that. Um, We're going to wrap up with just a few closing questions that we're asking all of our guests. And one of those is what is one resource that has inspired or encouraged you through your loss that you could maybe recommend to somebody else? That was one of the hardest questions. (laughs) (laughs) I personally was like, I want this journey to look like my own. And Mm. so I didn't go to a lot of resources. Mm. I just really dove into the Bible. Beautiful. I found myself in the word constantly and that was that's my greatest resource and it's been so life-giving mm-hmm. in in all areas because I did want my journey to be my own. I and that. I didn't want it to not that like people's journeys or stories or help books can't be helpful, but for me I was just like God, I don't want to be limited by somebody else's experience. I want you to be free to move how you want. And so I just, I mean, pretty much for a good portion of that year following, I mean, I was always in the word and the word sustained me. Wow. Yeah. I I love that response. I've never thought of it that way, that it just wanting it to be, I'm always like, I need advice and stuff like that. So I just, I love that you said that. I mean, God does provide we don't always get to see all the answers, but he does provide for every step that we take. And I just, I love that, that you want it to be your own journey. That's really, really beautiful. Is there a particular scripture that comes to mind that's been helpful for you? 
I think through at all, like Psalms 1830, it just says for this God, his way is perfect. And I just had to keep going back and contending mm-hmm. in that space because it didn't feel very perfect. Yeah. Um, and so that just kept resounding in my heart. Like, okay, I'm going to trust that his way is perfect mm-hmm. no matter what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And just believing that mm-hmm. not always just contending, but just saying, I'm going to believe this, that that you do your way in this is perfect because it wasn't my way, <laughs> you know, but. Mm-hmm. Is there a spiritual discipline or rhythm that has been really life-giving for you lately? That's our second question. I find that I listen a lot to different podcasts, a lot of messages throughout like different people throughout the United States that preach and they're always really life-giving. Um, just always feeding through the word, you know, getting more of the word inside of me. Um, and then probably another thing, I know this is going to seem strange, but I pray live on Facebook twice a week. And I think even that, um, I've been doing it for like three, um, I think three years now on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so it does, it just like you contend for that space. And so it just, it's like even remaining faithful, in what you're doing is something I think that it would be easy. Like, Oh, I went through this and I'm going to back off of everything that I was doing. I just need time to heal. And it's like the Bible says those who refresh others are, are themselves refreshed. And I took that to heart. Mm. So that's another space, you know, just to go after, I guess is like to not back or shy away just because what you're walking through. Yeah. Like you, you need some of that. And so I do that. And so it does, it like brings life and it, and it helps you stay consistent in your prayer and in the word and, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, you can join me anytime. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. That sounds awesome. So where can we uh, keep following along with any of your ministry, your work or, or anything like that? What can we, where can we find you online? Um, I am at herredboots.com and then on Instagram at herredboots. Um, it's like her underscore red underscore boots, but also on Facebook as Rebecca Gore. Um, that's where I pray live on Tuesdays and Thursdays at six 30 in the morning, central standard time. I pray for a half an hour. I just go live and whoever jumps on can jump on and pray with me. And so, wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thank you so so much for being on here rebecca i just i'm first off just really honored that you agreed to come on and talk to me but secondly just i really think this is going to speak directly to somebody um and it's going to be super encouraging and we're going to feel a little bit more equipped to come alongside those who have lost their spouse so just thank you so 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 much for being on here really really appreciate it it's been wonderful thank you When I first heard Rebecca on Songs with Strangers, I was inspired by her courage, her vulnerability in front of so many people, but even more so, her hope and faith on the other side of such a loss. And I am so honored that she agreed to speak with me, and I can guarantee that some of you are going to be so encouraged, whether you know a widow or not. If you want to listen to the song that she wrote with Johnny Swim called Still Wonderful, you can hit the link in our show notes or simply search on Spotify. All the money earned from the streaming and all the profits from the merch from each song are going to a different cause. And Rebecca's song is supporting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Such a good cause. Such a worthy cause. 
This week's Love by 68 challenge is going to be a little bigger this week. We want to encourage you to reach out to someone or surprise someone who's experienced loss of some kind. Let them know you were thinking of them, praying for them, or even drop them off a little small token of kindness when COVID appropriate. I know when I personally experienced loss and received some mail to encourage me that my heart was overflowing with gratitude. So let our actions be constantly pointing others to Jesus. And that's all for this week, you guys. Join the Facebook group, Intentional Women of Faith, and let's continue the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the wonderful Jacqueline Widener next week to chat about the heart work that we need to do to fully surrender to the Lord and serve us. It's one of my favorite, favorite chats that we've had so far, and I don't want you to miss it. Have a great week, everyone. And remember, you are a kingdom builder. Your voice and your actions really matter. In the words of the prophet Isaiah, we proclaim, Here I am, Lord send me